You're about to listen to a message from the LifePoint Church, a warm and friendly home for the young at heart. All right, let's get into the word. Um, and I'll just very quickly like to read from the book of, uh, the book of Philippians, Philippians 2. Philippians 2, 9. Do we have it up on screen? It says, therefore God also has highly exalted him and given him the name which is above every name, that at the name of Jesus every knee should bow, of those in heaven and of those on earth and of those under the earth, and that every tongue should confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. This morning as we go into the word, I just want you to call the name of Jesus. I don't know what it is you've come to church with this morning. Uh, Falakemi led us earlier in prayers and asked us to submit our burdens unto Jesus because he says that he cares for us. He wants to exchange your burden with this. I want to give someone else another opportunity. Perhaps you missed that first prayer slot. Just call the name of Jesus. God so highly exalted Jesus and gave him a name that is above every other name. What is the name of what is contending for your peace right now? Is it a health situation? What have the doctors called it? Would you call the name of Jesus this morning? Is it a financial burden? Would you call the name of Jesus? We spend time speaking about the problems, speaking about the issues and the challenges, and we don't invest as much time in declaring the name that is above every name, the name that is able to save us and to deliver us from everything that threatens our peace, everything that threatens to destroy us. Perhaps you can relate to Aulika's uh, God experience and you're dealing with sexual addiction, with masturbation, pornography. Would you call the name of Jesus this morning? That name has been designed to save. That name has been designed to deliver, to liberate you. Have you lost your peace? Have you found yourself in challenging situations this week that has caused you to lose your peace? Are you currently confounded or confused? and you need clarity and direction, would you go ahead and call the name of Jesus this morning? Jesus, I need you. Jesus, my burden bearer. Jesus, my prince of peace. Are you desirous of something? Are there applications you have put forward and you're trusting God for a favorable response? Have you suffered from a ton of rejections? Would you go ahead and call the name of Jesus like blind Bartimaeus did? In a time and a season where people told him to shut up, they told him to be quiet. It is not your type that the Savior has come for. But he shouted out more. He shouted out with greater intensity. I'm not hearing people calling that name. I didn't say whisper it. I said call it. Let it silence every negative voice. Let it silence every negative situation. Call the name of Jesus. Go ahead and call the name of Jesus and begin to declare, Jesus, my Prince of Peace. Jesus, my Deliverer. Jesus, my Healer. Jesus, my Burden Bearer. Jesus, the one who pays my debts. Jesus, go ahead and declare the name of Jesus. My source of wisdom and strength. Jesus, the one who gives me rest. Father, we just thank you because you are here with us. We give you praise.
Thank you for your peace that passes human understanding. Thank you for your peace that defies the turmoil that is going on around us. Jesus, that you would visit someone specially today. Jesus, that you would heal and deliver. Jesus, that you'd you would restore in health. You would restore joy. You would restore peace. Jesus, that you would restore that backsliding fellow, that one that feels not good enough for your presence. Oh, that you would restore in love. You would restore him to you. Jesus, today we just touch you. We touch you. We touch the depths of wisdom. We receive direction. We receive instruction. We receive encouragement. We receive guidance. We thank you for your word flows freely. It has free course in every heart. That every heart has been made a fertile ground for the seeds of your words that will be sown today. And that each and every one of us, we hear you very clearly. Spirit of God, breathe and brood. In Jesus' name, amen, amen. Okay, so um, for the benefit of those probably just coming to church for the first time this month, we started a new teaching series, Tags Jehovah Which Way. It's a teaching series on divine direction. And last week we spoke quite extensively about um, the dimension of divine direction that is focused on wisdom. Today we continue the conversation, and I will not be doing it alone. Uh, Demi Lady will be joining me. But I'll provide a very quick background. Yeah? So today's sermon title is The Pace of Significance, The Pace of Significance. And it's not focused on purpose or calling, because in our world, we're very quick to ascribe the word significance to mean um, fame, fortune, prominence. That's not what it is for us as believers. The word significance means something that is important, something that is to be reckoned with, yeah? And the way we have used the word pace here, now the word pace means the speed of movement. So whether you're going fast, whether you're going slow, but the way we've used the word now is as an acronym, yeah? And we will talk through the, Dimladi and I would discuss the acronym. But it's important for us to understand that every believer has personal responsibility when it comes to receiving divine direction or divine guidance from the Holy Spirit. God is eager to lead us by his spirit, but you and I, we need to be available to be led. There is no question about his willingness or his ability to guide us. Scripture says that part of the work of the Holy Spirit is to guide us into truth. But you have to be a surrendered and a yielded person to be led. And that's usually the battle. The battle is not that you and I don't fully grasp, or maybe not. It's not that you and I don't understand or to, to, to an extent the importance of being led by the Holy Spirit. The battle is 
the submission of wills and prioritizing God's will above ours. So last week, some of the things that I said bordered around the conflict that exists between man and the need for God. And Awilika touched on something very important while sharing her God experience. And it's the fact that we oftentimes try to fill God-designed voids, voids that only God can fill. We try to fill them with things. So we continue um, today just discussing the pace of significance. God wants to lead us to deliver a life of significance. Um, a very big question that I find we, people ask a lot. In fact, it was still asked, I think sometime last month. Why is it that Christians are not at the forefront of innovation? Why aren't Christians at the forefront of, you know, um, nation building, policy shaping, and all that? So we would attempt to talk through some of these things just using that um, acronym. So um, our anchor scripture for today's message is 2 Chronicles 26, from verses 3 to 5, if we can have it up in the New Living Translation. And while that is being displayed, uh, can I have Demilady join me on stage? Can we have uh, service production please help us with the seats? Go ahead and open your Bibles, um, 2 Chronicles 26. Three to five. Chronicles. I apologize. Did I say Corinthians? I said Chronicles, right? Okay. All right. Let's have it. Second Chronicles three. You know how we do. We'll read it together. One to go. Uzziah was sixteen years old when he became king and he reigned in Jerusalem 52 years. His mother was Jecoliah from Jerusalem. Guys, are we reading? Next verse. He did what was pleasing in the Lord's sight, just as his father Amaziah had done. Uzziah sought God during the days of Zechariah, who taught him to fear God. And as long as the king sought guidance from the Lord, God gave him success. Amen. So, I mean, Uzziah was a small, small boy by all, by the definition, I mean by age, you know, but he had a huge responsibility. He had a teacher. In fact, the, Passion Transla no, the message translation references him as his pastor and teacher, Zachariah. But what is important here to note, which is the catch there, is the fact that he sought guidance from the Lord. And for as long as he continued to seek, God continued to give him success. Now, if you go and read further down, you see that when he stopped seeking and he became full of himself, because again, that happens to us. Our humaneness comes to play, you know, which is why someone ought to be asking, how is it that when I start out with God, what happens? All the stories we read, you know, we read stories about some people or even know people who started out with God and all of a sudden it looks like they didn't, it, they didn't end well. What happened? How did they miss it? So 
The first letter in pace, obviously, is what? Uh-uh. We are having a conversation now, so please be involved. It's P, and it speaks to process. So that's our first word that um, Dimlandi and I would, would uh, speak through. Process. You grow in your understanding of divine direction. And I know because we've been talking about it so long, perhaps somebody is wondering, how do I even start? Where do I? We've told you, first of all, you start the basic, the word. After you have submitted your heart to Jesus, how do you build a relationship with him? How do you get to know the things that please God? It's by searching his word, so that's very fundamental. How do you train your human spirit? I said something last week, that we're very big on developing our minds. We're very big on, you know, getting education. Some of us pay really, we pay a huge sum to get quality education. Some people in this room, you have like three different degrees, first degrees, by the way, just three, in your quest for knowledge. And then some people are on their way to becoming professors. You're just eager for information and knowledge and exposure and all that. It is great, building your intellectual capacity. But think about it. We don't invest as much time in training our spirit, in allowing the Spirit of God do, do great work in our human spirit. We don't spend as much time. And it's one of the things that I find are the kind of questions that people ask around the conversation on divine direction speaks to something that is fundamentally missing, you know. So there's a process for growth, there's process for learning, you know, there's even process for daily life and living. But the kind of process we're talking about this morning that we want to focus on is the process of obedience. Obedience, because we find that it's very instructive in building a thriving relationship with the Holy Spirit that enables you to fully embrace the will of God in every situation. Some of us are experts at, we choose the convenient situations and circumstances where we yield to the Holy Spirit. But it's our belief and prayer that as we wrap up this series next week, that you and I would have, been, would have grown in our understanding of the things of God where it comes to hearing from him consistently, practicing the daily disciplines that are required to sustain that relationship. All right, so Demilade, let's talk about process a bit. And I know that I've already started talking about it. Obedience. So sometimes when we engage divine direction, as it were, things are not very clear from the onset. You find people say things like, well, I'm not sure that it was the Holy Spirit that spoke to me. I'm not sure I heard God, you know, I feel like it was my human mind that spoke to me, you know. Um, or you hear things like, I heard God. In fact, I still heard that last week, Wednesday. Somebody shared it, a story um, at the Elevation Church's um, midweek service. I was um, opportuned to, to be on a panel, and the person said, well, there are times that God is silent, and for her, she believes that it's because, so she gave a personal example that she heard God say very clearly that they were going to cancel, she was in, in uni, they were going to cancel a GST course. Now, if you schooled in Nigeria, your GST courses are compulsory courses, right? And there are courses that 
um, their general studies. So it's a must. Everybody must pass through it. Now she said God told her that they were going to wave ahead. They were going to wave the exam. But it didn't get done. It didn't happen. But she was very sure that she heard God. So I want you to start from there and then let's go into the conversation on obedience. Okay, so um, I'm very sorry for to that woman. <laughs> um, <laughs> okay, so I'm just going to be very clear. Um, I think part of what I try and do when I'm called up, when I'm asked to, to help with these conversations is I want to make it as practical as possible um, so that if you don't remember anything I've said, at least you remember some of the examples yeah, and you'll know that, okay, mm. this happened to Demlade in his life, so let it not happen to me in Jesus' name, that kind of thing. So that's what I'm going to try and do. And, and, and for this particular um, issue you've raised, I've had many of these encounters where I feel like I hear, I hear God saying something to me, um, but then in, in practice or as life goes on, it turns out that it wasn't really the voice of God like she was saying, it, it was my own voice. And so what I've learned to do in situations like that, like for instance, random question, why would God say that they're going to wave an exam? Like you came to school, your parents paid money, your parents sent you there. You, your lecturer did, I don't know, 13 weeks. Or I don't remember how long our semesters used to be because I've been out of school for a while. But your, sister, your, your teacher did 13 weeks of, of teaching. You bought three textbooks worth 5,000 naira each. All of that stuff. And then you now hear the voice of God telling you that, ah, my daughter, we are canceling this exam. <laughs> like, the point I'm trying to make is that obedience to God, the reason why we are able to be obedient to God when God tells us to do certain things is because we understand that what God is asking us to do is in line with his character. Yeah. And that is the basis for obedience. The only reason why God tells me to do something and I choose to do it is because I know that my God is good. The Can minute I, you start to... Oh yeah, sorry. So I just want to pause you there because you're touching on something that if we had to give it a one word, it would be trust. I need to be able to trust that God's nature and character is good yeah. so that I can obey. Absolutely. Now, but there's a significant trust deficit that exists in our generation, and we should, we, should, we should touch on it. So please go ahead. So yes, I was getting to that. There is a significant trust deficit. And uh, I don't know if you, can you guys hear me properly? Yeah. Okay, okay. So I, I can't hear myself. But anyway, the point I'm, oh. Yeah, bet, better. God bless you, my brother. So the point I'm trying to make is this. We are, we are taught from a young age not to trust. And I'm going to clarify that. I'll give you a classic example. You go and meet your parents at age three. Mommy, well, daddy, what's going on? They're like, oh, mommy and daddy are going out. And they're like, and they're like oh, daddy, can I go with you? And your daddy says, go and wear your shoe. And you go to your room to go and find your shoe. By the time you come out, phew, disappeared. They left you. You are, you are already being conditioned to think that the people who love you the most, you can only trust them to a certain degree. And that same conditioning is what we carry into our relationships with God. Yeah. So ultimately, you think, and this, I'm not, I'm going to talk, let me talk about myself. I believe, I believed for the longest time that if I made a mistake, God had this huge cane. And he's just waiting. <laughs> Make mistake, why? Because in my youth, I was amply flogged by my, by my parents, by... Do you understand? It was a sort of like a rite of passage, just every two to three weeks. Ah, oh, Jebaleni, ah, just come and say, pa, pa, pa. <laughs> the point I'm trying to make is that you are, a lot of us are built with a conditioning 
to distrust people in authority. Yeah. And the, the person who has the largest authority is God. So we take that sense of distrust into our relationship with God. And everything God says, if you're like me, the, the question is, God says, get up and why? Or you start to doubt. So that, that alters our ability to obey. And, it's, and that's what makes that process of obedience such a hard thing for a lot of us. So the, the thing to then consider is, who was Abraham? Who was that guy? <laughs> like, how did he not question? I mean, how do you get a phone call, get up and get going? Where? For why? Why? You know. Mm. Well, scripture records that this guy obeyed. He got up and he got going. Um, I find that there, there's a category of people where who would say to you, look, I trusted God to come through on X, Y, Z situation. Especially maybe things that have to do with the loss of a dear one. You know, I prayed, I fasted, I called prayer vigils. The church prayed and still this person passed, you know. Um, I was listening to um, a message from Pastor Bill Johnson this week, the very first message he's preached since his wife's passing. You know, I think that passing hit me in a very deep way, by the way, you know, because it then coincided with the passing of someone else that I had on my prayer list. And so I was listening to him speak about trust, and he said something very important. He said, if I have not submitted to the leadership of my Lord, then I can't say that I'm his friend. And that for me to be able to transition from recognizing and embracing his will in its entirety, whether I like it or not, because with, with the Lord um, leadership relationship, you don't question. And I know that we're in a generation that is very big on, look, this is the dispensation of grace. God is my friend. I need to be able to ask him questions. And we actually say things like, I should be able to ask God questions. Yes. But we need to recognize that there are times I trust him enough to not question his motive. Why? Because I trust his nature and his character that ultimately this is for good. Whatever the outcomes, this is for good. And just hearing him speak, I mean, because I know the church, Bethel, they're very big on the prophetic. In my mind, I've had to question, did God not show them this thing, you know, and all that. But I remember, because I, I received emails from them, and I have been actively praying along with them on the matter. But to still see that she passed, and hear him say, look, ultimately, you know what, is good? what we all need is childlike faith. There's that childlikeness. That is why you as a child will believe your parents. And you know the funny thing is, they did it over and over and over again. And you kept, it, falling, and you kept, you falling, kept falling for, for it. it. That is childlike faith. Do you understand? Do you, just, they love me. They did it yesterday. Maybe they have changed today. <laughs> I will still go ahead and find my shoes. Before I come downstairs, they've gone again. Yeah. Childlike faith. You, and it's, I believe very strongly that it's very important to a walk of obedience. Because you cannot say that you love God and you are unwilling to surrender to him or to obey his dictates. Demilade said something two Sundays back when we had a similar conversation here on stage when he was talking about immaturity and how some of us are very quick to say, God and I, you know, are having this thing, 
we're, we're having a moment, we're fighting, we're God. <laughs> and you. And you are fighting on a matter. And I understand where, because even I, I say it. But here's what, when I say it, here's what I mean. I recognize the lordship of, uh, of the father. Then I recognize the relationship that I have as child. So, I can't even boast and say I'm in the friend zone just yet. That's the truth. We are developing the matter. Because until God starts to show me very clear things that he will show to his friends, I cannot boast of that friendship relationship. I have those moments, but I would like for it to be a daily experience. So obedience is very, very key to this process. And Demelan, did you just speak to that um, a bit so we move on to the next one? So I just wanted to say one thing. And the truth is, because I understand that we as children are conditioned to not ask our parents questions. Now, okay, let me talk about myself. African children. African children, mm -hmm. of which I am one of the prime examples, are not conditioned to ask our parents questions. So your dad says, Demadi, jump. You can't say how high, you just jump. You can't ask why. And if you ask why, there is a flogging on, maybe. Obviously, I'm still scared, but there's, there's discipline on the other side of those questions. The point I'm trying to make here is this. God isn't intimidated by your questions. Yep. However, if you are questioning his motive, that's where there's a problem. That's it. If you are asking God for clarity on how to do something, that's fine. God doesn't have a problem with that. But if you're asking God, why are you telling me to do, that's where the issue starts. So God isn't intimidated by your questions. As a matter of fact, if you need clarity to be able to do what God has asked you to do, ask away. But the minute you start to say, are you, and that's what the devil did in, 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 in Eden. Did God say, you know, once he starts asking those questions, you start to doubt the goodness of God, the mm. kindness of God, the identity and the of God, the motive of God. The minute that happens, that's where the problem begins. So I want to say this, don't be scared to ask God questions. But ask it from a place of assuredness yeah. that the God you serve, the God you are friends with, is good to you all the time. And even when things go wrong, I just wanted to touch on that very quickly. Even when things go wrong, always start your questioning from the point of view of God is always good. I'll give you a classic example. Jesus, the disciples have had this encounter with Jesus where they become the first tongue bind, um, demon binding people in the Bible. Jesus gives them power, they go out into the world, they, they cast, they bind, they do all kinds of wonderful things. Satan falls like lightning. Peter is like, me, you mean me? You know, he's having this whole episode, right? And then a few days later, somebody comes with a child who is sick, lasting gravely sick. And the disciples, they start their whole tongue cast, tongue binding, I mean, demon binding tongue, you know, whatever. And it doesn't work. And the Bible tells us that they drew Jesus aside and said, Sir, look, this thing did not work. What they were saying is, look, I don't doubt that you are the one who gave us power. What, I'm, what we are saying is we did not use it the right way. And then Jesus starts to give them clear instructions that they must obey to then be able to do the work he's asked them to do. So again, the point I'm making is this. Don't be scared to ask questions, but don't let your questions question the motive of God. God is always good. It's just in our application of what we've been told, we often make mistakes. And that's where obedience is. Obedience is hearing what God says and doing it the exact way he said it. Now, if you don't know the exact way, you can ask. But don't ask, hear the exact way and do it the way you like. No. Don't ask, hear the exact way and do it at the timing that you like. No. That's where disobedience starts. Yeah. And it's, it's interesting that it's, it's actually a scene. 
disobedience is, a, is such a big deal. In fact, I find that a, the test of friendship, you know, all of us that are friends of God, test of friendship is in our capacity to be able to obey instruction. And we see a very classic example, the story of Saul. God gave a very simple instruction. Go, destroy the Amalekites, spare nothing, spare nothing. But Saul in his wisdom, last week we spoke about human wisdom and the potential pitfalls of the application of human wisdom. Saul in his wisdom decides that I will spare the king and the choice spoils of war. And by the time Samuel starts to engage with Saul, Saul says, oh, the first thing he says is, I have obeyed the commandment of yeah. God. Again, lying. Was that the commandment or your interpretation of the commandment? Because he questioned God's motive. How can, I mean, you say I should go and destroy, but look at fine ram now. Look at fine cow. Why are it's we? It's a waste. Do you understand? To to job, just like God, that, just you can't be waste. right. How can we waste this pressure? People are, let's, and that's what we do. People let's are bring hungry it. in the world. Let's bring it and sacrifice it to you. To you. Thanksgiving offering. Yeah. And you'll be well pleased. Again, interpretation. But I find that in, uh, when, we, when we question God's motive and intention like that, usually it stems from innate desires. Yeah. It stems from, you know, seeing that it's already building and budding within us. Last week as well, we spoke about the voice of unchecked desires. Sometimes it is a function of where you are at, and which is why we need the Holy Spirit to help us. See, it's a daily dying to self, guys. That process, it's a process of daily dying to self. It's a process of daily surrendering because the challenges that you overcame yesterday may show up in a different form today. The devil will bring to you the things that are inside, the things that he recognizes can lure you and take you away from that path of promise. So, the process of obedience requires us staying in that secret place where we're engaging. And we see that, and I, I guess we'll talk about talk. We'll touch it in the next point, which is letter A. A is atmosphere. So, P is process. A is atmosphere. And um, speaking about the atmosphere, you cannot walk this walk. Walk this walk without the Holy Spirit. We've established that from the onset this month. But there is an atmosphere that your life needs to be stewarded by to enable you fully enjoy the whole counsel of God on every matter. Again, speaking to significance, and we are very quick to remember, you know, the top companies, your Fortune 500 companies, your... Um, Please give me what are the other lists that the world decides the richest people buy? Forbes, 100, 30, under 30, and all of these things. And we're like, our Christians are not there, you know? We speak and we reference people who are deploying really solid innovation in our world today. And we're like, but that person is not a Christian. This person is not a Christian. And it's all very valid. However, where you're Holy Spirit inside of you, the Holy Spirit inside of you is not enabling you to produce great results, whether it's in your little space or in the sphere of influence that God has given you, then there is a problem. 
A lot of us utilize the Holy Spirit for our daily needs. What I will eat, what I will drink, what I will wear. Me, myself, and I, my immediate constituency, let us be all right. The significance we're talking about here is the need to look above and beyond yourself. God is looking for solution providers. God is looking for people that he would use to solve problems in this world. Once in a while, we would experience creative miracles, and we see a lot of creative miracles. Well, let me not call them creative miracles, but yeah, that's what they are. You would experience the supernatural. I remember one time PG came and somebody asked a question about, oh, we don't see the supernatural in our world anymore. The things we read about in the scripture, we don't see them come, come alive in our generation. What is going on? Has God changed? And the answer is, simple answer is, God has not changed. Our interpretation of the supernatural is, what's, is, is what is faulty. Because you would look at um, an Elijah outrunning the chariot of Ahab. I mean, a man with two legs outrunning a horse that weighed, you know, weighed more. Oh, it's, it's even chariot, exactly, it's horses. Let me say, conservatively, two horses powered the king's chariot. You and I know that, at least we watch movies, and you see that a minimum of four horses will power the king's chariot. But let's say two. A human being like you and I outran horses, and then we say, we don't see things like that anymore. Please help me understand. You want to outrun horses in this day and age? No, please, let's, let's speak to that. Is that, is that. is that what we want? or we don't see a burning bush experience, or we don't see the donkey or the ass that's opened its mouth and starts to speak. We're not seeing the supernatural. We're not experiencing the supernatural. We're not seeing, you know, people lay hands, and okay, we see that, but we're not seeing it as much. The way Jesus Christ went, and it was the shadow of Peter that was healing the sick. How many people, in fact, her gift is very specialized, ability to heal cancer. How many cancer patients can Sharon lay her hands on? But if God gives, uh, where's Dr. Sam? If God gives Sam, you know, he's a medical professional, gives him the solution for cancer or for HIV AIDS, how many people will that solution reach across the world? And we will think that is not Supernatural? So the atmosphere that we need to constantly steward God's presence around our lives is the atmosphere that recognizes him, trusts in him. So recognizes his ability and his capacity to do everything that his word says that he can do. It is the atmosphere that trusts in him completely to be able to deliver on his promise. So, Demilade, why do we struggle with atmosphere? Why do I struggle? <laughs> Maybe not you. <laughs> okay. Um, so, I want, I want us to think about atmosphere this way. Um, so, where we are right now, there is an atmosphere that's set by the air conditioners. And then once you step outside, there's an atmosphere that's set by the rain. Um, I find that in my experience, and so what we'll call, so let's think about this is our internal atmosphere and then there's our external atmosphere. Yeah. I find that what happens with me in particular is that I let my external atmosphere dictate my internal atmosphere. Mm. 
So I let what's going on in the world around me start to affect what I know to be going on on the inside of me. A classic example, the minute, okay, let me talk about myself. National grid collapsed on Wednesday, I believe it was, on Wednesday. And for those of you who are not aware of what that means, those of us who use generator petrol, you pour petrol, you turn it on, we know what that means. Because of the grid that collapsed, I couldn't get up early in the morning to pray. And because I couldn't get up in the morning to pray, my day on Thursday, Wednesday and Thursday, was just, let's just call it a, a hot mess. What happened was, what had happened on the outside caused me to misregulate on the inside, and that affected my entire process of obedience, my ability to hear God, my ability to walk in the gifts of the Spirit, my ability to heal, lay hands, whatever. And the point I'm trying to make is this. If you don't learn to internally self-regulate, like she was saying um, when she was giving her God experience, she had to learn how to, I'm the righteousness of God in Christ Jesus. I am this, I am that. To be able to break off from what was the, the impulses that were coming against her externally. Our ability to be able to create an atmosphere internally for ourselves, for our lives, an internal atmosphere that conditions us to do the right thing is what ultimately keeps us walking in the process of obedience. So for me, I find that when I allow the world on the outside to impact me too negatively, the things I see on Instagram, the things I hear from people, like you were talking about Pastor Bill's wife passing away, it was an external impulse. It affected me internally because for a, for a few hours, I just couldn't, I couldn't fix myself. I just, it was, man of God, tongue-talking, Bible preaching, everything, and his wife passed away. What does that mean for me? Me, a junior Christian, I'm just up and coming. What does that mean for me? But I learned that I had to start to re-regulate my, my own atmosphere mm. on the inside, sanctify my room, sanctify my mind. And then once I've done that, I can then go and be an external influence in the right way. A lot of us are so conditioned by what's going on around us that we don't you know, regulate our internal atmosphere, and then we're not able to be that blessing to the world. But the most, the most significant people in the world, the most significant person we all know is Jesus. The Bible tells us that he had to learn obedience by the things that he suffered, had to learn how to regulate his own temperature, regulate his own environment. The Bible says he would get up a great while before dawn, go and pray. It was in learning to regulate his internal temperature. That was why he could sleep on a boat because he knew he was so self-regulated that nothing on the outside could oppress him. Mm. So that's, that's, that's what I do. Love it. Love it. And that takes us to see um, conduct. What is the required behavior for one who's on a journey to significance? Recognizing that the significance here is God's original intention for you, his purpose and his calling for your life. Yeah? So what is the required conduct? And I, I, I love the example you just gave now with Jesus and how he learned obedience, how he lived his life. One of the things that I, I find that, I mean, every time I read the scripture growing up and just seeing the things Jesus did, I'm like, but did he need to, you know, did he need to? Scripture says he would get, he would get up a great while before dawn. He would go and pray. He would leave people. Jesus was one who modeled to us what servant leadership actually meant, you know. He, he, he turned upside and he flipped the table of our understanding of what it means to be great. He says, if anybody will be great, you've got to be like this child, you know, which is not the understanding, the human, the world system's um, appropriation of, of, of greatness or use of greatness, um, of leadership too. Lording it over, he would 
condemn the Pharisees and the Sadducees and how they would choose the nicest and the choicest part of the room, sit in front. And Jesus would say, you sit at the back, let them invite you to the front. I mean, he brought such solid leadership principles, um, principles for life that it makes you wonder, Jesus, you are like, you are who you are. You are almighty. You didn't need to. You didn't need to pray. You didn't need to be so, you didn't need to, be, you didn't need to pray. Let's be sorry. You didn't need to pray. You didn't need to fast. You didn't need to do any of those things. Because you are God all by yourself. You know that scripture you read about him learning disobedience? Scripture says that he was not disobedient. That's the preceding verse. That he was not disobedient, but he still learned obedience. He wasn't disobedient, but he learned obedience. How much more you and I? What are the daily practices, the daily disciplines that we're embracing on this journey? Because if God would release deep and secret things to you, if he would release, um, and again, I know that with research and all, which is a point we're going to get into on that conduct. I find that I've met a couple of Christians who leave it to the Holy Spirit to make every decision. And then you wonder, and let me put that very clearly, what I mean is this. Where is the place of your mind? We exist as we're spirits. We live in a body, yeah? We possess a soul. And by um, extension, a mind. We have a mind. God, if there was no use for your mind, God would not have created it. If you were supposed to be robotic in nature, you would not have a mind. But God gave you and I minds that need to be cultivated and developed, which is why we go to school, we learn, we, we grow our intellectual capacity and prowess. But Christians are not innovative, as they say. Christians are not, you don't find them showing up. I believe that there are Christians who are showing up in certain industries. We probably just don't know. I mean, Mother Theresa was not known in that time. It was when she passed that her works were acknowledged. And I, I think that there are quite a number of people that is after they have passed that they start to talk about the great works that they've done. But the Holy Spirit on you or in you needs to enable your mind to be able to deliver and bring to bear kingdom in your industry, kingdom in the marketplace. Esther would go into a period of fasting and praying because she needed to engage with the king on a national matter. But Esther did not go in anyhow because she had been, you know, she has been praying and fasting. There was a process, there was a method that I believe it was that period of her waiting on God for divine strategy that allowed her apply that process and that method. But you and I, sometimes, because we are enabled by the Spirit, we are anyhow. We spoke last week about how the wisdom of God, in your place of work, what, what are you known for? Are you known for praying every meeting? The person that would do opening prayer and closing prayer. What are you known for? What is your business known for? Are you solving problems? If you have a large business or a medium scale business, are you solving problems in communities? Is there an impact? Are they feeling your impact in, in, in a certain area? You as an individual, at your job, how are you deploying your spirit-enabled mind? 
because that is what it is. In fact, Paul will say, you know, do not be conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Recognizing that, yes, you are born again now, but there is a, 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 a mind renewal that needs to happen where you begin to see things differently, you begin to process information differently and not applying worldly strategies. So how are we cultivating our mind? How are we shaping our mind? And then how are we applying spirit-enabled ideas? How are we bringing them to bear? I believe that the Holy Spirit wants to share strategies with us. There is a pro- and some of you can attest to the fact that, yes, you have solved problems in your organization by reason of, you know, divine guidance. Let me give an example now, and then we'll move on to the next last point, which um, I'll have Dimiladi speak to on expectation, because he's very passionate about it when we discussed. So, the idea, uh, the, 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 the analogy is this. I have, I mean, we say that if you're a solid individual, you should know something about almost everything, right? Yes? You should know something basic about almost everything. I had the opportunity to, during the Ubomi medical outreach, I had the opportunity to witness um, some surgeries. Sorry. I had the opportunity to witness some surgeries, fibroid surgery in particular, and I was just marveling. Now, now this is the first time I'm observing a life surgery. I was, in fact, first of all, I was grateful that I didn't pass out. But I, I, was, I just marveled at the way the doctor, it, it felt like, I was like chopping vegetables in my kitchen, you know, trying to like make a meal. The way they went about it was so much, it wasn't a big deal. Like, they were, like you know, they were, I'm like, it, maybe this is how they used to forget equipment. These are people's bodies. You know, they were just, they were cutting human beings. Like. Just anyhow. I'm like, this is a human being. This is a full blown human being lying on this table. They were doing great work. Checking out the intestines, and just checking for fibroid and figuring out stuff. And it was like I had a, you know, there and there, God speaks to me in very interesting ways. I had a conversation there and there. It's like, they know what to do because they have been trained to do mm. it. Now, imagine that because I am Holy Spirit filled, I then get in there and say, I would like to take over. <laughs> I would like to take over this surgery. I can do all things through Christ. Through Christ, who strengthens me. I'm led in all truths. So I would just, I would just know what to do once I get there. Mm. Led by the Spirit. See, God wants to breathe innovative ideas, witty inventions for specific industries, but He will not leave um, Doctor Sam and come and breathe. The solution to me. I have, I, I don't even understand the terms. Let's start from there. Because I have not been trained in that way. Your mind is important. Your intellect, what we have said not to do is to trust in your own expertise, your experience, and your education. Scripture says in Proverbs 3, it's trust in the Lord with all your heart and lean not on your own understanding. So, sorry, can I just say something? Yeah, please go ahead. So the Bible is clear. It says, lean not. It doesn't say don't use it. Exactly. It just says don't lean on it. And that's kind of where our problem is for a lot of people is we want to use our understanding to solve a problem. But God is, let me tell you something else that God just revealed to me as I was, I was coming to church. There's a scripture in Proverbs that says, it says, you know, the horse is prepared unto battle. It says, you should prepare your horse for battle. That's what God says. God says to you, prepare the horse so get it ready. 
But then in another scripture, it says the horse is, 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 is a false sense of strength. So basically, God says to you, take your brush, be brushing your horse, brush it, brush it every day. We are using this horse for battle. Then on the day of the battle, God says, oh yeah, leave the horse behind. For a lot of us, we are so sure that it's this horse that God is going to use to help me win. The day God says to you, leave that horse behind, you start shaking. Because you have leaned entirely on the strength of the horse. Mm. But the Bible tells us that a horse is a false sense of security. So what happens with a lot of us is we, we educate ourselves to the point where God becomes nothing to us. I'm so sure of my ability to, like Adriel, to do strategy. Uh -uh, straw man, this. The day Adriel was talking, straw man, this one, this one, that one. Do you understand? He was just giving all the terms, just throwing it out, throwing it out. God is happy with your head full of knowledge. But he wants your head with knowledge to be superimposed upon by the power of God. Yeah. So if you spend so much time amassing knowledge to yourself and you do not leave room for the Holy Spirit to fill that thing, then your head will just have a head full of numbers. And you will not be able to live a life of true significance. There are so many smart people in the world today. But the difference between a smart person and an Albert Einstein or an Isaac Newton is they left room for the Holy Spirit to come and breathe upon their... Let, let the Holy Spirit breathe on your head. Yeah, yeah. Do you understand? Let him breathe on what you know. And just to wrap up on this point, if God will not find a Christian who is intellectually sound, yeah, and spirit-enabled, what will he do? Because there's a solution that needs to be deployed. What will he do? The next available option, which might be someone who's godless. Yeah. So don't get it twisted and think it's your exclusive preserve. It is a benefit and an opportunity that you have to partner with the Holy Spirit. But if you and I will not grow ourselves and upskill and train our minds, one, then more importantly, lean on the Holy Spirit, trust in God completely, develop our spirit man to be able to receive um, and, and tap into the divine intelligence that exists in God. He will go and look for the next best alternative, which is the guy that sleeps in the library, the guy that goes to school, the guy who's passionate and, you know, trying to solve this problem, who's constantly thinking about it but may not know God. That happens, and it has happened quite significantly. So we'll touch on the last point. E is expectation, and it is that you should expect to be led by God. Expect to hear him speak to you, and um, I'll have Demiladi just wrap up on that note. So, um, so just again to make sure everybody was paying attention, what do you say P was? And that process is what? Process obedience. of obedience. And what do we say A was? So we talked about creating your internal and external atmosphere. What do we say C was? Conduct. And then we said E was expectation. And there's a scripture that God has used to, to break, to open up my mind to real divine expectation. And the Bible says that you are created in Christ on two good works. That means that the entire reason that God created you was so you can do good, amazing works. Now, for a lot of us, we don't believe that. We believe that we were created for enjoyment. That, that's what the, the hashtag, the hashtag soft, uh, soft, soft, life. soft life and all of that. Hashtag, you know, uh, small girl, big God. Mm -mm. You were created, the primary reason why you were created was for good works. Fellowship with God, yes, but fellowship with God so that you can hear what God wants you to say and then do good works. Now, if you know that that is why you are created, you are, it, is, it behooves you as a person to have an expectation that out of my life, good work will come forth. Out of my life, innovative strategy will come forth. Yep. Out of my life, healing will come forth. Out of my life, the, the solution, Dr. Sam, out of my life, the solution for cancer will come out. 
Amen. Okay, so it's only me that believes that because nobody said amen. amen. Which tells me that your expectation is still soft life. You are expected to be good. You are expected to be great. You are expected to be a difference maker. You are expected to be a solution provider. You are expected to be the light of the world. You are expected to be the salt of the earth. If you go through life and you do not meet that expectation, I put it to you, you have not lived the life that you were created for. And so I'm here to charge you. I'm here to motivate you. Today, let there be a transition in the way you look at life. Mm -hmm. If you go through a week and you, and you look back on your week and you cannot see any innovative work come out of your life, know that you have lived below your expectation. And I'm not trying to say it to you in a bad way. But I want that to be the motivation for your life moving forward. Everything I do, I tell the band here, if we come and we do work and we sing and everything, and then you pat your back on the, yourself on the back, but you leave and nobody's life here is transformed by the notes you sang, the song you sang, you have not done good work. So remember, you are created on two good works. Let's say together, I was created. I was created on two good works. On two good works. Okay, you need to say it like you actually believe it. I was created. I was created on two good works. On two good One more works. time. I was created. I was created on two good works. On two good works. Expect that God is there to that God hears you. Expect that God will help you. Expect that God will lead you. Expect that God wants you to get to that expected end. Yeah. The Bible tells us that the expectation of the righteous will not be cut short. So if you have that God-given expectation on the inside of you to do good work, know that because you have followed the process, because you have created the atmosphere, because you are choosing to do conduct, the right conduct, then your expectation will not be cut short. Amen. 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 Hallelujah. All right, let's, let's just pray. Let's pray, guys. Um, and I'll, in one minute, please just go ahead and speak to God this morning. Uh, I believe that this message has resonated with you. Um, either the four points or perhaps just one or two um, specifically for the things that you need to take immediate action over. So would you go ahead and ask for grace this morning. Ask for grace to be diligent in the study of the word. Ask for grace to um, focus on God as priority, on the Holy Spirit, on stewarding the presence of God in your life as priority over you know, over drama, over sensationalism, over the things that um, don't matter. Go ahead and just ask that God would grant you the grace in this season to sit with his word. Uh, scripture says that, um, oh, sorry, it's not scripture now. It's, I think it's Kenneth Hagin that says that faith begins where the will of God is known. To know the will of God, the will of God is, is his word primarily, you know. So go ahead and ask God for grace to be a diligent student of the word. Uh, that you would find yourself in his word. You would sit with his word. You would receive the capacity to understand. Uh, revelation knowledge will flow from his word and from his presence. That as you abide in his secret place, that you become that trusted friend that he can release mysteries to, that he can release deep and secret things to, concerning your family, concerning your nation, your community, uh, concerning your industry, uh, that God would release information to you that will be used to change lives, that will be used to impact your world, uh, that will bring glory to God, that would advance kingdom agenda. Would you go ahead and declare that your mind is enabled to receive, to incubate divine strategies. Your mind is enabled to incubate um, divine wisdom, divine intelligence, 
that you tap into the creative intelligence of God. You appropriate his wisdom. You bring it to bear. It is manifested in your walk. Uh, it's manifested, manifested in the works of your hands in the name of the Lord Jesus. Please go ahead and make that declaration over yourself. Scripture says, if any man lacks wisdom, let him ask. Is there anywhere you are currently lacking wisdom? Is it wisdom for your relationships? Is it wisdom for finances? Is it wisdom, you know, for your health? This morning, go ahead and receive it in the name of Jesus. God wants you to know that his expectation of you is that you can be led. He wants to lead you. Are you available to be led? And on that note, I'm just going to ask um, Demilady to go ahead and give people an opportunity to give their hearts to Jesus this morning. So that scripture we read says that the expectation of the righteous will not be cut short. But to, to be able to appropriate that, to be able to live that as your reality, to be able to have your expectation not be cut short, you need to be righteous. And I know somebody's here asking, how do I be, how am I made righteous? How do I become righteous? The Bible tells us that we become righteousness through Christ Jesus. We are the righteousness of God through in Christ Jesus. What that means is you need to accept Jesus Christ into your life. So if you are in the room and you haven't accepted Christ as your Lord and your personal Savior, I want to give you this opportunity to just make that decision in your heart. Um, just say, look, Jesus, I'm here for you. You've told me now that I've been created unto good works, but I don't know you. I want to get to know you for who you are so that my expectation will not be cut short. And if you are that person in the room, I want you to just raise up your hand wherever you might be. Just take that bold step in faith to say, Jesus, I want to get to know you because I know you've created me for good works. If you are that person wherever you are in the room, if you could just raise up your hand wherever you are. I want to say a prayer with you that will help you transition into that life of righteousness, into that life where your expectation will not be cut short. If there's anyone in the room, if you just raise your hand. So you just say this prayer with me. Just say, Lord Jesus, I thank you because your word says that you have died for me. I thank you because you paid a price for me to be totally converted to you. I thank you because you want me to be your friend. So now, Lord, I accept your hand of friendship. I accept your heart of love. I choose to serve you all the days of my life. I will follow after you. I will love you. I will be your friend. I give you my heart. I give you my ambition. I give you all that I am. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. If you are that person and your hand is up, I just want our ushers to give you a card in the room. We ask you to fill in your details so that we can have a conversation with you and follow up with you in the course of the week. We want to be your friends as well. Thank you so much, everyone. All right. God bless you. God bless you. Have a beautiful week. Thank you for listening to a message from the LifePoint Church. To download more free messages, please visit www.soundcloud.com forward slash LifePointNG.